Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, April 15th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we've got a Mailbag Friday edition of the podcast. We're bringing back the mailbag and opening it up for three Orioles questions, all from you, the listeners, here on today's episode. We will address the Orioles infield situation and uh, maybe what the O's could have done differently with the opening day roster. We'll talk about who on this current roster could maybe be on the next great Orioles team that could appear in a World Series. And we'll talk a little bit about Masson and maybe what they could do better as they are the broadcast home of the Orioles. But that's all coming up on this Mailbag Friday episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we are taking your listener and viewer questions here on today's Mailbag Friday episode of the pod. But before we get to our first question, just want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen you can get Locked On Orioles for free five days a week, Monday through Friday throughout the season. You're not going to find that anywhere else on a podcast that specifically covers the Baltimore Orioles. And again, we're on YouTube here as well, Monday through Friday. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a comment, like the videos if you can, that really helps out. And leave a rating and a review if you can on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really, really helps out the pod as well. Got a couple of really great reviews on Apple Podcasts over the last couple of days and want to thank those listeners for those as well. But again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, Mailbag Friday here on the pod, recapping the week and finishing it up with some mailbag questions because the O's, of course, had their first off day of the 2022 season. I guess they did technically have last Thursday off when half the league started, but the Orioles hadn't started playing games yet. But they had the day off in between the series against the Brewers and the weekend series against the Yankees, which we will quickly preview at the very end of this pod. But we do have three mailbag questions to get to, and let's jump right in with our first mailbag question of the day. It comes from Zach via Twitter, who basically said, would you rather have Richie Martin or Jemai Jones on the opening day roster, or at the very least on the current Orioles roster, over Chris Owings. And I guess this does come from kind of the rough start that Owings has had, what I talked about earlier this week about how Mike Elias built this roster and how he just didn't add to the middle infield and get any kind of veteran depth at that position. And I made it known that maybe Chris Owings hasn't been the best addition so far. And listen, Owings has struggled. He hasn't obviously played a lot. He started one game, but he's he's 0 for 4 a walk, four strikeouts, he's made an error in the field. It hasn't been great, and obviously he had that key strikeout in Tuesday night's game with the bases loaded against Devin Williams. But basically the question from Zach when you boil it down is, if you're going to take Owings off the roster, either retroactively, you you know wouldn't have put him on the open day roster, or if you were to take him off right now, would you rather add Richie Martin or Jemai Jones in his place? And I think this is a really interesting question to get to because each guy's bring a certain skill set. Let's start with kind of the, the Richie Martin side of the argument. The Richie Martin side would be you add a true shortstop to this team. And on this team, the closest thing to a true shortstop is Chris Owings, who has played 
the majority of his innings in his you know fairly long big league career at shortstop, but he's played all across the diamond. He's not any kind of elite shortstop. And although Ramon Arias is playing some shortstop and Jorge Mateo is playing a lot of shortstop, they're not, you know, shortstops by trade. Arias more of a second and third baseman. You know, Mateo was an outfielder and he also plays second as well. Richie Martin is a shortstop. He's not the greatest defensive shortstop, but he's pretty good over there and he's a shortstop. And he was red hot in spring training. And, you know, he was a former, you know, top 10 prospect in the A's system. O's got him in the Rule 5 draft in 2019. And, you know, maybe he still has promise. He's still young. He's much younger than Chris Owings. And so that's kind of the argument for Richie Martin. The downside of Richie Martin is what we've seen from him in the past in the big leagues and what he's done in a small sample size so far in AAA Norfolk. So this year in Norfolk going into play on Thursday, as I record this here about 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, Norfolk is up big over Scranton Wilkesbury. Grayson Rodriguez, another great start, five innings, eight strikeouts, love to see it. And Richie Martin did have a, a good game, at least to this point uh, tonight. A as of last time I checked, he was one for two with a double, two RBIs, and uh, had drawn a couple of walks as well. Actually, three walks drawn by Richie Martin. So that's pretty good because coming into Thursday's play, he was four for 20 with a double, three singles, six strikeouts, and no walks. So Martin, probably with his best offensive game of the AAA season here as I record this. But again, the numbers haven't been what they were in spring training when he was red hot for the Orioles. And the other thing with Martin is we've seen a good sample size. Of course, we saw a whole lot of Richie Martin in 2019 when he spent, you know, obviously the whole season on the active roster because he was a Rule 5 draft pick and the Orioles wanted to keep him around. So he played a whole lot of shortstop that year. And the offense was, you know, pretty solid-ish in the second half, but he was abysmal in the first half and it wasn't great. And again, we saw him in 2021, 37 games, 105 plate appearances. He hit 235, which isn't bad, but a 269 on base is not good. And a 286 slugging is horrendous. He had 28 strikeouts, just four walks, and he had only three extra base hits in 105 plate appearances. That is not a good offensive sample for Richie Martin. And yeah, he got enough singles to get himself to a 235 average, which was better than what he hit in way more time back in 2019, but just not good stuff. And he's had an injury history. Remember, you know, the broken wrist, missed all of the shortened 2020 season, missed a lot of 2021 at AAA because he hurt himself when they tried to put him in center field and, you know, didn't come back to the Orioles till late in the 2021 season and missed a lot of the year with AAA Norfolk. And so for Richie Martin, maybe he still has a shot, but I just don't see it there. And that's why I kind of take the side of the argument for Jemai Jones. First of all, you know, Jones, more of a prospect at this point for the Orioles. Still a, a top 30 guy in most places. And he's been swinging it well in Norfolk. And listen, I know 2021 didn't go well for Jemai Jones. When he came up, you know, finally at the end of the year, played in 26 games, 72 plate appearances. He just looked overmatched. He hit 149 with a 208 on base, a 194 slugging. It was abysmal. In those 72 plate appearances, 26 strikeouts, four walks, just three extra base hits. I mean, it was not good watching Jemai Jones hit in the big leagues at the end of last year. Of course, that wasn't his debut. He, pl he played in a couple of games with the Angels in the bigs uh, before the trade. But it's, it's tough. It, it, it is a tough decision between these two guys because they're not exactly killing it. But I give it to Jones because he's got the better prospect status. And listen, he's played better at Norfolk so far this year. 
Nine for 25 on the season coming into play Thursday. That's a 360 average for doubles, a homer. Drawn seven walks and struck out just three times early in this AAA season. I like what Jemai Jones is doing, kind of similar to what he did early in 2021 in AAA when he was hitting well and fans were calling for the Orioles to bring him up. Now, we know Jones is not the defensive player that Richie Martin is, and Jones is basically a second baseman at this point. He can still play the outfield in a pinch. That's a position he played a lot when he was in the Angels system, and I think the O's could still throw him out there, but he's essentially a second baseman now. And yeah, that gives you less of a need than Richie Martin does because you have more of a need at shortstop because you already have Urias and Mateo and, of course, Rugnet Odor, who can play second base. And when Zach did ask this question, he included that this is assuming Rugnet Odor at least stays on the roster for now. But I would take Jones. And listen, if you have Jemai Jones instead of Chris Owings, you're at least giving a shot to more of a prospect guy. who You know, you gave up Alex Cobb to get, and you have more entrusted in Jones for your future. You get to see more at-bats from him. And if Owings is going to be this bad, I'd just rather have Jemai Jones up there. Now, I'd rather have a legitimate big league infielder than any of these three guys, but this is where we're at. So I'll take Jemai Jones. You know, you split time at short between Urias and Mateo, and, you know, Jones and Odor play second, and then, you know, it's either Urias or Gutierrez over at third, and you kind of roll with that with your infield until you bring up more prospects. But it's a good question from Zach, and, and final answer is Jemai Jones. But we'll get to our second mailbag question of the day here in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. These Built Bars are delicious. There's there's no better way to put it. They are delicious. And you hear a lot of places say, "Oh, we've got these great tasting protein bars." You know, they are you know, chocolatey, they taste good, they won't make you remember you're eating a protein bar. It's really only true for Built Bar though. They've got these great flavors like white chocolate chunk and, of course, my favorite peanut butter brownie, mint chocolate as well. Just so many flavors. All bars covered in 100% real chocolate. And I really can tell you, I've eaten the Built Bars. It tastes like you are eating a candy bar. I forget that I'm eating something that's, you know, kind of good for you with 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories. These can help you out and they taste great. So to get your hands on some of these Built Bars, head over to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So a Mailbag Friday episode of the podcast here. Open up the mailbag for your Orioles questions. Originally thought this episode would be a lot about the status of John Means because... We know Means left Wednesday night start after four innings with left forearm tightness. He didn't seem too worried, but the Orioles did say on Wednesday night that he would be getting some tests and MRI done on Thursday. Just kind of waited to record here, you know, until John Means' news came out. And I waited past 9 p.m. Eastern time and needed to record. And, you know, as of recording here, just after 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, no news on John Means. So, you know, you may be listening to this on Friday and there may be some John Means news out just didn't get to record in time. But speaking of John Means, you know, the question is, how long is John Means in this role for the Orioles? Obviously, he's the ace right now. Back-to-back opening day starts. And if not for a little arm fatigue, would have been three opening day starts in a row for John Means after, of course, a really good 2019 rookie season. And, you know, maybe he's not the opening day starter next year if Grayson Rodriguez or D.L. Hall or both, you know, come up this season and are what we expect. But the question is, you know, what's the long-term future for John Means? Still has a couple of years 
under control with the Orioles, you know, free agent 2025. I hope the Orioles extend him. I don't think he's a future ace, but if he's your three or four starter moving forward long-term, I will definitely take that from John Means. And this is an interesting question that I got from Kevin via email. We thank Kevin. He said in multiple mailbag questions here for the pod. Basically, the question boils down to who on the current Orioles 28-man roster as we sit right here on the night of Thursday, April 14th, 2022, which of these players would be on the next Orioles team to win a World Series? Now, that's a lot because you got to think the Orioles are going to win a World Series. So I'll back it off a little bit. The next Orioles team to not even get to a World Series, but make a deep playoff run. So maybe the next Orioles team in the ALCS, or at least the next Orioles team where we go into the season saying this is a legitimate World Series contender. Because there's a lot of really good teams who don't end up winning the World Series because a lot of crazy stuff happens in the Major League Baseball postseason. So let's just scale it back to the next serious, legitimate World Series contender Orioles team. And that's not going to be next year. It's probably not going to be 2024. At the earliest, that's 2025, but maybe it's beyond that. So let's say at least 2026 is maybe the first time you go into the season and say this Orioles team could win the World Series. And the question was how many of these current 28 guys would be on that team? I'm going to say eight. Eight is going to be my answer to... Kevin's question. Let's go through. Let's start with the pitchers. And the reason I brought up John Means, because I think John Means is one of those guys. I think John Means is a perfect guy who, yeah, he's an ace for this current Orioles team, but won't be the ace for the next really good Orioles team. But I think as a guy who the Orioles could sign to an extension, if they're willing to spend some money and keep these players around, and it would be a pretty team-friendly extension, I would think. They could get John Means to stick around for you know three or four more seasons past you know when he would become a free agent, theoretically. And would put the timeline on he's still on this team. And he won't be the number one or number two starter, maybe even number three. But if he's the number four starter on a team trying to get to the World Series, I will take that very, very nice. Even number three, I will definitely take that if John Means still pitching this way. And because he, you know, is such a big change-up guy, I think that helps him, you know, longevity-wise, kind of sticking near the level that he's at now. Four other pitchers. How about Felix Bautista? Just with the stuff we've seen, and obviously how much control, I mean, the Orioles have seven years of control of Felix Bautista starting now. And he's got great stuff. I mean, he's got that high-riding, 100-mile-per-hour, high-spin fastball, the devastating splitter. Even if it doesn't work out where he's like a closer for the Orioles in the next great team, I want Felix Bautista on that team. I'll put Mike Bauman in there as well. And I think that's in the bullpen. You know, I don't know if it'll be as a starting pitcher, but I think Mike Bauman is a legitimate reliever on the next good Orioles team. He's got that fastball up at 98. He's got a good breaking ball that a lot of people like. He's got the stuff. I've said this all along. I think Mike Bauman is the guy out of this kind of middle tier of starters that emerges as a really, really good reliever, maybe even a great reliever. And I think Mike Bauman will be in that bullpen. I'll throw Tyler Wells in there. I don't know what the role will be. Maybe he'll still be a starter at that point. Maybe he'll be back in the bullpen. Who knows? But he's got such good stuff, such good confidence on the mound. Give me Tyler Wells in a postseason game. Give me Tyler Wells in a World Series game. I'll take it. He's going to be on that roster somehow. And then, you know, I looked through the rest of the pitching staff that's currently on the 28-man roster, and I just said, who would just be a guy who, yeah, maybe isn't like the most dominant player, but is just kind of sticking around on these teams and is, you know, the 26th guy who makes the World Series roster theoretically in 2026. 
I threw Ciano Perez in there. You know, he's a lefty. He's got good stuff. He throws hard. He's got a nice breaking ball. You know, he's he's been on a big league team with the Astros. Now he wasn't on those playoff rosters with the Strohs, but he was in the big leagues the years they were very, very good getting to the World Series, 2018 and 19. I just think he could be a guy because he's a left-handed reliever and, you know, he could, he's under contract for a while that just kind of sticks around. And he's never amazing, but he's never bad. He's just a solid lefty reliever that the Orioles have. And, you know, they go to him in the fifth or sixth inning for a couple of outs in playoff games or whatever it may be. I just think he could be a guy who sticks around. So those are my five pitchers. I've put three hitters into the list. Ryan Mountcastle, number one. I think the Orioles lock him up to an extension. He's a first baseman slash DH long-term for the Orioles. Number two, Cedric Mullins. Lock that guy up as well. He's playing center field on the next good Orioles team. That's two extensions right there, plus the John Means extension. Get these guys extended. And, you know, number three, I think a lot of people would say Ramon Arias. Oh, you know, he looks like the perfect utility infielder. How about Jorge Mateo? Why not? Not as a starter, but as kind of your fifth infielder, your utility infielder, can play outfield if you need. A big pinch runner in the playoffs at that point. I could even see a spot where he, you know, is in AAA for a good part of the season, but is on the playoff roster to be a pinch runner and steal a bag when you need it, a la, you know, Quinton Berry of, you know, the Orioles and, you know, more famously with the Red Sox and other teams. Uh, you know, Terrence Gore had that same role with the Kansas City Royals as well, where, you know, he'll play in a pinch and Mateo would get more of a chance than Gore or Barry to actually play in the game as well, but really be there to swipe a bag late in the game as a pinch runner. So give me Jorge Mateo and he can obviously bring you versatility and, and get some hits as well at the plate. So those are my eight guys. And again, you know, this is not a great major league roster right now. That is why the Orioles are one in five. That's why they lost 110 games last year. That's why they're trending towards maybe losing hundred games again this year. That means not a lot of this roster is going to be on the next great team, but there are some pieces and I think, I think eight of those pieces could be on that team. But one more question to get to here on a Mailbag Friday coming up in a second. But first, you know, you might be able to honestly place a wager on when the Orioles would get back to the World Series. Maybe it will be 2026. You know what? I would, I would happily sign up for that timeline, 2026 in the World Series. But if you want to place a wager on a lot of things sports-wise, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start, of course, of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info from live betting to playoffs, even esports, and more. They've really got everything over there. And you can get podcasts. You can get your news. You can really get everything. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline.net where the game starts. So we're here on a Mailbag Friday. One final question to answer here, and it comes from Laz Marcus via the Apple Podcast Reviews. Remember, you can get in your mailbag questions via the review section on Apple Podcasts. We certainly appreciate that. And the question is, essentially, how underutilized is Masson? And it's a great question because we know Masson shows all 162 Orioles home games and they sh um, Orioles home games Orioles games and they show all 162 Nats games. They've got the two channels, Masson and Masson two, and they show three spring training games each. But as we know, there's not a lot of content otherwise on Masson. There was Waterwall baseball for a bit. Never really watched that show. There were a couple other you know 
believe there's a, a touchdown Baltimore or Raven show on Masson that was there at some point. Not a lot of content, you know, not even much of a of a pregame show going on or, or, or you know, O's Extra before and after the games had, had been cut last year. I mean, that's not even going on as much. So this could be an entire episode about the issues with Masson, what they could do better, and why I think they might not even exist five years from now. But, I mean, you could easily put in a daily Orioles show. I, I get that wall-to-wall baseball was a thing, but make it a little more watchable and a, and a little better. Easily be done. You have the broadcast talent there to do it. You could do it. Now, there's some really talented people who work at Masson. I know from firsthand experience, very talented people, very good at their job. Masson is not run, seemingly, by people who really want to make it a whole lot better. And I mean the higher-ups with the Orioles and with Masson. Obviously, they, they have the ownership in Masson. That's the whole lawsuit between the Nats and the Orioles right now. But I think you have space for programming. An Orioles daily show that covers the team. More broadcasts, not just the Orioles. When the O's are off like they were last night, grab a minor league game, Yes Network and others, uh, Bally Sports across the country. You know, when the major league teams are off, they will broadcast one of the minor league teams' games. How awesome would it have been that on Thursday night with the Orioles off, the off day in between the series against the Brewers and the Yankees, you could have turned on Masson and watched Grayson Rodriguez slice up the Yankees' AAA team and strike out eight over five innings, and watch the Norfolk Tides score 12 runs on offense, see Kyle Stowers and Pat Dorian and Johnny Reiser hit home runs, and the O's offense, or the Tides offense explode against Davey Garcia, who's a legitimate major league starter for the Yankees. That would have been cool. I don't think it's too difficult to do. They could have done that. But it's not something they're interested in. I mean, even like other programming, Minor league games, as I said, more local sports, you know, get in and broadcast some high school sports, some more local college sports, whatever it may be, have shows about those high school sports, you know, bring in some of the young broadcast talent in the area to, to host these shows, give them their chance on a place like Masson. Don't just show ESPN news or repeat sports centers or the world series of poker over and over again. You know, when asking the question, as Marcus on Apple Podcast, you know, compared it to ESPN 8, the Ocho is like what they're showing. It's replays of Cornhole and the World Series of Poker. Like, you've got this whole channel basically dedicated to the Orioles and the Nats. You can do better than this. And they can also spend more on the broadcast itself. And it's nice that they finally upgraded the graphics package after 15 years with the new graphics this year. They could have done better with that too. And, you know, they've, they've cut a lot of stuff in terms of the broadcasts and... Obviously cut a lot of announcers. That's why Gary Thorne is no longer calling Orioles games. And we love Kevin Brown, but still miss Gary Thorne. Again, this is a whole episode that, you know, just not going to get into all the mass and issues to answer this question. But it's a good question there. And just to answer it, like, those are kind of my big things. Like, you broadcast some minor league games, some other local sports. Have a daily Orioles show at the very least. And a Nats one as well. It, it could easily be done. And, and they just... They just don't do it. It's a, it's a bare-bones product, and it's it's unfortunate for the fans. And, I mean, the whole other thing I didn't even get into, you can't even stream the Orioles. You can't. St- People who pay for cable to have Masson can only watch it in their house, on their TV, in the year 2022. If you have Xfinity, 
sorry. You you pay for Xfinity, you pay for Masson, watch it in your in your house on the TV. You know, you're out, you pick up your phone, you want to watch the Orioles. Nope, sorry. You have Xfinity. You have literally any normal, I think maybe DirecTV is on there. I'm not even sure. As an Xfinity person, I I I'm not gonna know anything about the Masson app until they get Xfinity. I think there's maybe one legitimate cable provider on there, and the rest of them, a lot of people, you know, barely any people have, and you know, nobody can stream the O's in any way. And of course, there's the blackouts on MLB TV, so you can't do it that way. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's 2022. How can you not stream your home baseball team when you pay for the cable subscription to watch them on your TV? That is ridiculous to me. It's the only place it happens. Orioles and Nats, the only two teams that have to deal with this. Ridiculous. And that's why I think Masson is not going to be a thing maybe five or ten years from now. But here they are. It's not great. But again, that's a whole other episode, but they could do a lot better on that network. But whether we like the network or not, that is where we have to watch the Orioles. And the O's are back in action starting tonight. The New York Yankees are coming to town to take on the O's. A three-game series at Camden Yards starting tonight as the O's will try to get uh, double-digit wins on the season starting tonight. As I record this, the Yankees lead the Blue Jays 1-0 in the fourth inning of their final game of that series at Yankee Stadium. So the Yanks will either be 3-4 and four or 4-3. Four and three coming into Oriole Park. Tonight's series opener, Jordan Montgomery, the lefty, goes for the Yankees as uh, he will make his second start of the season. Montgomery did not look great in his first start of the year, so we'll see if he can bounce back uh, in his first start. He went just three and a third, allowing three runs on four hits. So uh, we'll see if he bounces back after that tough start against Boston. He'll face off with Jordan Lyles, who... Didn't look great in his first start either against the Rays. Five innings, five runs. Got hit hard by Tampa. And he's going to face an even better lineup in the Yankees. So we'll see how that goes. It's a 7.05 start. Of course, a 7.05 start for Game 2 on Saturday. Jamison Tyon will get the start for the Yankees. O's will get a chance to see him. The former Pittsburgh Pirate, who is now in the pinstripes. 30-year-old righty, uh, who pitched pretty well in his season debut against Toronto. Five innings, two runs, five hits, six Ks, and no walks. And he'll face off against Tyler Wells, making his second career start. It did not go well for Wells last Sunday against the Rays. Went an inning in two-thirds and allowed four runs all in that second inning after a pretty solid first inning. We'll see if he can rebound and get deeper into the game. And then Sunday, a 1.05 p.m. Eastern time start for the series finale. The former Oriole, the left-hander, everyone's favorite, Nestor Cortez, will get the start for the Yankees, his second of the year for the 27-year-old lefty, and he was pretty good against Toronto in his first start. Four and a third scoreless, three hits, five Ks, and no walks. He'll mess with your timing. He's kind of fun to watch out there on the mound. But he's facing off with another lefty who had a scoreless start to start his year, and that's the 27-year-old Bruce Zimmerman who will go for the Orioles. After he was really good in the home opener on Monday, the Orioles only win four scoreless innings, three hits, four Ks, and two walks. Bruce back to the hill on Sunday. And then we will be back here with you on Monday, back here on the pod, recapping all the action of the series between the Orioles and the Yankees. I'll give my three big takeaways from the weekend series on Monday's episode. And, of course, keep you updated with all things John Means injury news as we wait on the news uh, from the MRI and the testing after he left the game Wednesday night with the left forearm tightness. But make sure to follow at Locked on Orioles on Twitter and at Connor Newcomb underscore. You see my account name there uh, as we'll update you whenever we get that latest news on John Means this weekend as well. But again, we'll be back here on the pod on Monday recapping the weekend series 
against the Yankees. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.